Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for uh, just how you provide for us in, in every way. We thank you for Jesus, Lord, that during this season we can celebrate him, celebrate how you um, provided him for us and that we can know you through him. And so we pray that, um, yeah, tonight as we, uh, today as we hear from your word and hear about what rest looks like in our world, uh, that you'll speak to us and you'll um, move our hearts and bring us before you uh, to find rest. We do pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Uh, there's a TV show that I don't really watch much, but I know <laughs> Ross watches it all the time. It's a TV show called um, Survivor. Do you guys watch? Who watches Survivor here? Who actually watches it? Besides, okay, so not many of you. Um, but if you know the show, it's, it's a game where you spend 50 days on an island, right, with strangers. You're fighting the elements. You're facing physical challenges, mind games, and constant backstabbing, right, in order to survive and win $500,000. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a crazy game show because I, don't, I think about it and I think, oh, you know, you, you, you watch it and you think, oh, I could probably do that and I could probably do that too. But to be honest, if I was on that game show, I'd be complaining every single day, every moment. You wouldn't be w wanting to watch me on that TV show. Um, but it's really interesting because the, co the contestants, they're really pumped at the beginning of the show. But as the, as the hunger and the, and the tiredness and the distrust builds up, uh, the, con the contestants, they increasingly fight. They, they keep fighting for moments of relief, for moments of rest. Uh, if, if you know the show at all, they're given these challenges, and at the end of each challenge, they're given a reward if they win the challenge. Um, and it's, they're competing against, competing against each other, and they get really excited because uh, the rewards can be um, a range of things, a, a bed to sleep on at night. Um, there was one episode that showed that the contestants, they were doing crazy things so they could win uh, a tomato and cheese sandwich. You know, they, were, they were so hungry, they just wanted to eat a sandwich. I, mean, I can't imagine a day where I'd, I'd backstab someone just to eat a tomato cheese sandwich. But that's what happened. You know, the reality TV show, it really exposed something. And I find it so interesting because what, the, what it really exposed was that the contestants, they were, they were just looking for moments of, of rest. They were longing for physical rest in a comf comfortable bed. They, were, they wanted rest from all the mind games. A lot of contestants, they, they break down in tears because they miss their family so much. Um, one of the rewards for one of the challenges was they got to get photos of, of their family, and you could just see how they, they broke down in tears. They're all fighting for that $500,000 um, and the promise of, of rest in retirement or much-needed money that, they could, um, that could give them rest from financial stress. And I think about it in our lives, and yeah, we're not on a reality TV show, but aren't we all just chasing after those moments of rest in life? You know, of relief, <laughs> where we can sit down and eat our tomato and cheese sandwiches. You know what I mean, right? To grasp hold of that reward for all the hard work we've done. And we keep pushing and we keep pushing and whether it's work or at home, it can be a real battle to grasp hold of real, true rest. That's a wonderful time of year, Christmas time. We're all excited. We all get to take a break. We all get to go shopping and go to end-of-year parties. But if you're anything like me and the people I've talked to this last week as well, you're feeling a bit weary during this time. You know, we're just trying to catch up to the year. It's just gone by so quick. You know, we're frantically trying to wrap up projects at work. 
our calendars are packed with social events. The, the expectations of, of families are overwhelming, and you're, you're just not in the mood to battle the Christmas crowds. You know, some of us are feeling that tiredness, chasing after that promotion, that salary package, chasing after that success or that relationship, that, that freedom that always just seems out of reach. Isn't life sometimes just like a game of survivor? What are we fighting against? Where are we seeking our rest from? This series that we're going through um, with uh, Southside and Providence is, is The Weary World Rejoices, because we know that many of us here today, we're weary. We're weary physically, and we're also weary spiritually. And today, I really want us to consider where rest can be found, beyond just the scheduled holidays here and there, but instead where our weary souls and tired hearts can find and, and taste the depth of a true and lasting rest. I know for some, some of us, simply having a moment to drink uh, on a hot cup of tea while it's still hot, you know, or having a hot bath is, is the epitome of rest. But I want us to dig a bit deeper on this. Uh, in a book by uh, a Christian psychologist and professor, Dr. Tan, he writes uh, that we often feel weariness in more than just our bodies. And this, this book is about rest. He says, yes, physically, some of us feel exhausted, right? The stress, the addictions, the panic attacks, the insomnia, our bodies are, su- are suffering physically, and, and the battle to find rest seems so foreign. But emotionally and mentally, some of us are tired as well. Tired of feeling anxious, tired of feeling fear, confusion, or depression, trapped or overwhelmed. Some of us feel it relationally, tired relationally. We've been struggling. Fractured relationships, unresolved conflict, it's just you know, it's resulted in this lingering bitterness in your heart and an unforgiveness. It just hurts. But for many of us, we're just searching for a spiritual rest. Many of us here, we're, we're praying earnestly, hoping that our souls will feel some sort of release from the brokenness of that, that we feel inside. And we're on a search for some sort of miracle, some sort of silver bullet that will give us solace for our souls, a release. We, we pray, hoping for a miracle, but the next day we feel the same, and we're left wondering, is this all that there is? Because it's exhausting. It's really exhausting. As we look at the words of Jesus in our passage today, we're going to discover a few things about rest in God and where we can find that rest for our souls. So opening your Bibles back up to Matthew 11 in front of you, from verse 28, Jesus says this. He says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first thing we need to take note of is we need rest. I mean, weariness and burdens are tiring. Rest, it's, it's weaved into our design. Now, I know this sounds super obvious. We need rest, right? We've been created to rest. We need to understand, though, that bad things happen when we, our bodies don't rest. And we, we, we've experienced that. When we struggle with insomnia, God created us. Uh, he, he designed us to rest. We aren't God. We need to sleep. He doesn't need to sleep. And I'm saying this because there are some of us, probably some of us here in the room, who want to believe otherwise. You know, I, in my circles, I've heard so many, many people say, I can rest when I die, right? And there's this underlying narrative in our culture we're in our humanness, the idea of doing more, that if we just slept less and did more, we were more busy, we could, we could write our futures. We could write our destiny. It could be secured. 
I don't need rest. I need more control in my life. I don't need rest. Nothing gets done when I rest. Sleep is for the weak. How many times have you heard that? Or you might have heard yourself saying that. Here's the reality you and I need to accept. We aren't God. We need rest. Now, admitting that first is important. Why? Because there's a rest not just for our bodies that we need, but Jesus acknowledges that our souls need it too. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus wants us to know who he is because when we know who he is, um, verse 27 tells us that we can find rest in who he is. Verse 27, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Here's the second thing we need to take note of. Jesus, the Son of God, can offer and give us that rest for our souls. When Jesus invites us to find rest in him, he's inviting us to know the rest of the Father, to know the rest of God himself, enter into the rest of the God who created rest, who created us. Jesus says we can know and be in a relationship with this God. And this is huge. I mean, Jesus is talking to a group of people living in the first, uh, first century Middle East, Jewish people, people who lived under a religion that tells them that you need to do and do and do and do to be right with God. You need to follow long lists of laws perfectly, constantly making sacrificial offerings of repentance and, and, and never knowing if you've done enough to satisfy the laws of God. That's religion as we know it, right? Now, on top of that, you have a group, uh, a religious group, called the Pharisees, a religious council who act like they've got it together and they look down on you for not being good enough. And so Jesus says, throw off that yoke. You don't need that yoke. Throw off that yoke. It's heavy. Put on, put on my yoke instead, he says. And if you know, you know, the yoke is that thing that ox wear, oxen wear when they're plowing the ground. It's an agricultural thing. Um, it's heavy, right? People would know how heavy the yoke is. Jesus says, Take off that yoke. You know, that, that law of the Pharisees, the law of that religion is heavy, it's exhausting. You won't find rest in it because you'll never feel like you're doing enough. You'll never know you're doing enough good things. And so here it is. This is what Jesus wants to say. Come to me. Come to me and find rest. I have the authority from God to give and offer you this rest. Now, this is crazy because no one can claim that. In Jesus, you know, he, he says that he can, he can do that, though. We don't, we don't need to live under the burden of uncertainty through excessive and burdensome law-keeping. His yoke is light and easy. God is pleased because of Jesus and his, what Jesus has done, his perfect obedience to the law. And so what we see in Jesus and what his listeners, what uh, he wants his listeners to know is when we put our faith in him, when we follow him, we get to know that rest that comes from him, that comes from God. When Jesus goes to the cross, what does he do? He shoulders our sin. He shoulders our wrongs, our brokenness, and he carries them to the cross where he died. And in his obedience to God and the law, he fulfilled what was needed on our behalf. And this is what makes the gospel so beautiful. When Jesus died for our sins, he also invites us he invites us to also lay our, our burdens at the feet of the cross. We can enter into God's rest. 
And so in one sense, we can experience that now. There's, there's a foretaste of it because through, through things like, like Christmas, um, Christmas is really quite spectacular. Through Christmas, breaking, Jesus breaking into history, into our time and space, he actually accomplishes something amazing. It actually tells us that God is in control of history. Even if, if it seems like our worlds are falling apart sometimes, through his life and death and resurrection, through being the son of God and the, and the substitute for us, he invites us. He can invite you and I into a relationship with the God of rest. And so we can have a taste of that now. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're successful or whether you feel like you've failed so many times in life, we all can and, and need to sit at the feet of Jesus and see God's grace and see the rest he offers. And I know for some of us here, it's, we're not tapping into this offer of rest enough. And I know for me, I'm, I'm so fixated on my achievements, my need to make something of myself, to do good in my work, that, that when I think of tomorrow, I'm just filled with anxieties. I'm just overwhelmed. There's always more to do. There's always so much to do. Think about how tiring it gets. I look around the world, in our world around us, you know, the society around us, it keeps telling us that we should be frustrated at the quality of our lives. You should, you should have a desire to improve it. And we're left exhausted with this life script written for us. Our, our, our economy, the measure of success, it tells us that we just have to run and run and run. And one day you might make it. And even if you, even if you do, what you get at the end, it won't really satisfy you know, we live amongst this, this exhausted majority, aiming to be a successful person, having this vision that we can never, ever reach, because no matter what we accomplish, it's never enough. There is no utopia in this world. The materialistic good life is just a facade. What magazines and social media tell us is, is just an illusion. And, and there's this writer who wrote for um, the New York Times, Judy Shulovitz, and she says, it's one thing to stop physically, but the deep inner rest, that deep inner rest that allows you to put down your work and walk away from it, is about being at rest with who you are. What you have to get rid of is that deep restlessness, that the need to prove ourselves, the, the deep unhappiness with who we are, the feeling that I'm not okay, I'm not acceptable. And so we're working and working and working to prove ourselves to ourselves, to others, and to God. That's the deep restlessness that we need a cure for. The work underneath all our work. That all the vacations in the world won't cure. The restlessness underneath the weariness. And no matter how good the work is, no matter how much we do, we're a slave to our social systems, slaves to our own ridiculous expectations and the opinions of others unless we get that deep inner rest. Now, Judy, if you're listening to this, that deep inner rest the cure for our deep restlessness. It's in Jesus. When we come to Jesus, right now, you and I can tap into that rest because Jesus tells us that he accepts us as we are. We can be at rest with who we are and we don't need to keep running and running to impress. We can embrace that today. But we get to actually have an even deeper and more eternal rest that Jesus secures for us. And this is the third thing to take home. There's a rest that is eternal, that awaits us. You know, as we think about Christmas um, next week, as it quickly approaches, we've got to keep coming back to, to why this baby was born in a manger, why that's such a big deal. 
You know, it's because of Him we get to look forward to the fullness of eternal rest that only God can give to our souls. You know, we're in the book of Matthew, right? And Matthew records for us at the beginning uh, in chapter 1, um, Jesus' birth. And it's so interesting. You know, I'm going to get a bit nerdy on you. If you guys could turn to Matthew 1, it would be really helpful. I'm going to just refer to one verse in Matthew chapter 1. It's verse 17. So if you flip your Bibles to that or on your phones, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 17. You can sort of skim before that. There's all these names, the chronology of Jesus before Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, all the generations before him. But Matthew 1, 17 says this, Thus there were 14 generations, in all from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. Okay, that's what it says in verse 17. If you know Abraham, he's a great forefather of the faith. God spoke to him, gave him promises that a great Messiah and Savior would come in his, blood, in his bloodline. David, too, uh, known in history as a great king of Israel, who in the same vein was promised by God a Savior would come. Uh, Matthew says, that Savior, that Messiah, he's come in Jesus. But why does he get so specific about the number 14 here? Let's think about this. Two times seven is 14, right? Right. Kids can answer that question. Okay, follow me here. There are six sevens in total. There are three 14s, right? 14, 14, 14 in Matthew 1, 17. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Six sets of seven generations that lead to Jesus. You guys follow me right now? Yep, some nods. Jesus is the beginning of the seventh seven. Right? The seventh seventh generation begins with Jesus. Now, that alone should make you go, hmm, that is interesting, Mikey. But let's dig a bit deeper here. Seven is so significant in the Bible. What happened on the seventh day of of, of creation? God rested. God made the seventh day, and he rested. He called it the Sabbath, the day of rest. Things were made complete. Right? We, we hear about seven could be you know, a, a way to see that things com- were completed. But let's follow this idea of rest. God told Moses that there was meant to be a year called the year of the Jubilee. Do you know when that happened? It happened on the 49th year. And what happened on the year of Jubilee? There was a year where all God's people were freed, all the slaves, all the, all the debts were forgiven. The 49th year, what's that? Maths, that's seven times seven, Right? Here in Matthew, this is blowing my mind already, the seventh seven is in Jesus. God's pointing out to us the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Jesus is bringing that completion. It's Jesus who brings rest. And the, and the, king, the king really, really of the Jubilee, only he can truly bring that freedom and rest to those enslaved. The slavery to our addictions our desires and sin that never satisfy. Jesus frees us from slavery and gives us the ultimate rest, which is heaven, right? Where our weary souls can soak in the wonder of God's goodness and joy. Where we don't need to keep chasing and feeling the weight of the pressures in this world. Where we won't feel the loneliness, the sorrow, the grief that we experience in this life. We don't need to keep running. We can rest forever, because of Jesus, the King of the Jubilee. In, in the words of Tim Keller, he says this, eventually the glory of God will cover the world the way the waters cover the bottom of the sea. And then Jesus, 
the Jubilee King, will give us the final perfect rest of love and joy. Heaven is something we can look forward to because Christmas happened in history, because Jesus was born. And so how do we surrender our lives to find this rest? How do we come to Jesus and, and take upon His yoke? I think, I think the first thing we ignore that, that the most is, is actually surrendering our, our sin first to God. I mean, to come to Him and to ask Him for forgiveness, to repent. We don't see this as rest, but when we surrender our sin, the sin that hurts God and hurts others around us, God shows us that there is forgiveness there. There is peace. There's reconciliation. I mean, this is, this is hard for me to, to do as well. My, my own selfishness and pride, the idols in my life that I want more than God. I want affirmation from others. I want emotional security. I want more. And in my selfishness and pride, I've hurt God and I've hurt others. You know, I, I'm so flawed. And I, and I feel the brokenness of my sin. And my heart struggles to find stillness, to find rest, because I'm looking for it in all the wrong places. I need to actually go to God, because God is going to give my heart rest. I need to go to Jesus. He's going to give me peace for my soul. I need to surrender my need for control, and I need to surrender my sin at His feet. And what we want to do next is we want to trust Him. We want to trust Him with our lives entirely, our, our work, our family, our finances, our relationships. We want Him to be Lord over all those things. And as you and I trust in Him and, and walk with Him, it's like, the, it's like the light that breaks through the cracks in the, in the sky at dawn. Our soul can have a foretaste of that good rest that can only be found in Jesus. There will still be hard days. There will always be days we struggle but when we learn to live by faith in, in the Father and the Son who loves us, in, in the God who loves us, who never forsakes us, and we hand our anxieties and our idols over to Him, in those moments when even the, the tiniest shadow is cast over our souls, like the, the interruptions to our plans or the, the frustrations that people around us bring, whatever it may be, when we see those moments as His will for us, and as opportunities to, to lean in on Jesus, that's when we've discovered the secret of gospel rest. Put the weight of all your trust in the person who is sovereign, powerful, and in control. As I finish, I want to point you to this person. As I read through Psalm 23, I want, I want you guys to be able to just meditate on this. Soak it in. Let it speak to your heart. You can close your eyes if you want as I read these verses, but I want you guys here today, I want us today to have a taste of that true rest. It might be your first time. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. 
Thank you, Jesus, that because of you, we can lie down in green pastures. We can be led beside quiet waters. We can see in you that you restore our souls. You guide us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus, you invite us to God's table. Our cups overflow. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of our lives. Because of you, Jesus, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So thank you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the rest that you offer to us, that you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.